Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to the Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Miller. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com and tractors in delivering insights. No more important time than now to pay attention to what's going on in the auction market. And if you're not paying attention to what's going on there, you really need to start paying attention because you have an opportunity to lose a lot of money when these markets decide to change and go south and brings the value of equipment down with them. So make sure you're paying attention to what's going on there and no better place to do that than Iron Comps by TractorZoom. And if you decide to move forward with your Iron Comps subscription, you can get a discount at checkout when you use Moving Iron. Chip Nellinger is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. And Chip is nice enough to come on once a week to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. And I'll tell you what, Chip, there has been a, a crazy week. You kind of called it last uh Friday when we talked, you said, you know, after these um, markets open back up on on Tuesday, um, or on Monday, or Tuesday, um, they're going to go way up or way down, and they went way down. And you take a look at what happened with the soybean market. They lost about a dollar on, on Tuesday, and corn was down about 40, and, and corn's not quite rebounded from that yet, but soybeans sure have kind of come up a little bit. So I guess, what's your reaction to what's going on in the market right now? Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting market we've got. Um, so the the change from Friday going home ahead of the Fourth of July to Tuesday was uh, some added rain for uh, really right now. And um, you know, as we speak, there's a little bit of rain moving through parts of Iowa. It's not a very big general system. They're supposed to get more into tomorrow, <clears throat> possibly across some of the drier areas of the Dakotas and Minnesota. So there has been a little bit of rain in some of the driest areas. It hasn't, if you look at a map where the inch plus rains have been, it's not very widespread yet. Um, But when it's July and there's rain on the radar, the corn market does not take that very well. And so we came in Tuesday, the forecast was wetter than it looked going home Friday you mentioned it, corn limit down, uh, beans almost limit down, 93, five cents lower. Um, beans are holding up a little bit better than corn. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff in my mind that isn't making a lot of sense. That The corn market is kind of in a shoot first, ask questions later type of a phase here, meaning 
the forecast is a little bit wetter. There has been some rain around. It's raining right now in, in parts of Iowa. They very much need that rain where it's falling. But it, the market just assumes we've got this massive crop coming. Then you have the crop condition report that came out Tuesday after the close. Uh, unchanged in corn, that was expected. We dropped one percentage in beans. And the, and the North and South Dakota bean crop, as well as Minnesota bean crop, is very bad shape according to the crop conditions north dakota beans rated the worst on record south dakota is the second worst on record so that gave a little bit of of more underlying support to the bean market but it it doesn't make a lot of sense right when you think about it it's like all right if the beans are in that bad of shape they plant corn and beans in the same area how is corn not right and uh, it it just makes you wonder like what's going on a little bit, but, uh, corn is in for a bad week here. We're 60 plus cents lower on the week. Um, uh, beans, um, are holding up a little bit better. Not quite that bad, but, uh, we got a crop report Monday. There's a lot of things still uh, in this market. It feels like corn's going to zero and we're never coming back. But yet, if you really analyze, um, where the rain has fallen so far, there's still a lot of dry areas out there and it's not like, you know, they have a lot more time on this corn to just wait it out and, and get rain. So there's still plenty of areas. It looks to me across, um, you know, Northern Iowa, Minnesota, the Dakotas that, um, are going to kind of be shortchanged by this thing. The market's going to look at that Sunday night, Monday, check that forecast to see is there follow up additional rains. There's some hinting here at the extended forecast that this high pressure ridge uh, that's kind of been, you know, over the Pacific Northwest and the Rocky Mountain area is going to move east, uh, maybe into Colorado. That's going to push, you know, Kansas, Nebraska into the uh, into the cooker uh, and, and warm things up in the Dakotas and Iowa as well. That's not a welcome sight if that happens into the last half of of July here. So we're not to the finish line yet, although the market, the corn market is acting like, uh, you know, we have a record crop in the, in the bag here. And, and I just, I don't think we do. I think it's a little premature and, uh, we got a quite a bit of growing season left to, to play out here before you can safely say we've got uh, trend line yields uh, in the bin. So a lot to go here, but right now it's, uh, we're working on a pretty ugly week added rainfall, and uh, a lot of selling, but but we'll see, Casey. I'm not uh, I'm not convinced yet. We've we've seen the highs in either corn or beans yet. You know, I think the next four, five, six weeks are going to tell more of the tale. And one rain out there, you know, an inch of rain that might get this corn in the Western Corn Belt to pollination and tassel. But uh, you're going to need follow up rains. To, to kind of fill this thing out. And that's a critical reproductive right. period as well. You know, you can lose 20, 30 bushels at grain fill off the top if it's, if it's warm and dry. So we got a, a long way to go here, but the market's acting like uh, record yields are in the bag right now. So a little bit confusing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There's a, uh, it just, just because it rains, I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to fix every problem that's out there. There's, there's plenty of, like you said, plenty of growing season <clears throat> left to uh, to go here. So keep your eye on the ball, there, folks. I don't think that this is going to these fall like you said before, Chip. 
this volatility stuff is just going to continue to to be huge swings based on every tweet or piece of news or rain forecast, you know, whatever that might look like. It's just, it's almost like a knee jerk reaction. Sometimes, you know, it goes like for soybeans to swing a dollar in a day and then come back and then swing back another dollar in a day. It's just the, the, everyone is just so glued to what's being said out there that they, they, they get lost sometimes I think in the shuffle. Yeah. It, it, and these, and the volatility is going to continue. Like you said, you look at a pull bean chart up and you look at these days where, you know, you have a 35 cent range and it looks like a real small, quiet day because <clears throat> there's been multiple days here in the last couple of months where, you know, you move 80, 90 cents. In fact, the, the 20 day average range from low to high in beans is uh, 48 and three quarters cents. So that's just an, an average day is almost a 50 cent swing now from low to high in beans. And yeah. I think, I think the other thing that's a little bit exaggerating this move is uh, every year, th throw this year out, but every year you get to this time frame on the calendar and our exports, you know, are kind of, uh, it's not the high point seasonally for exports. And that's the other thing is China's been a little bit quiet in here recently. I think the market's a little concerned about that. Um, every big break that you have, like, you know, we're 90 cents lower the other day in, in beans and you kind of get the rumors about, oh, China's snooping around. They're going to buy beans. There's been no confirmation of that yet. But I think that's the other thing that's allowed this sell-off to get a little bit deeper. I think that's totally normal. I think as you get into you know, August, September, October, those exports should pick up. We're still shipping out a lot uh, on a weekly basis. So they're taking what they have purchased. There's been no cancellations. But I think the fact that China's not been uh, a big headline buyer here the last couple of weeks has has spooked the market a little bit. But we're that's just something we're going to, for the foreseeable future, many years to come, that's going to be something the market deals with is, is China buying? How much? Are they done buying? Are they going to buy more? I think that's just typical. And that's what drives some of this volatility too. But right now, they've been a little bit quiet. But that should be picking up because the other thing the market seems to have been ignoring is um, the Brazil corn crop. You know, they had three freezes in a row there, hard freezes. Yeah. Took anywhere from another three to five plus million metric tons off of that crop that was already hurt by drought. Uh, parts of the Ukraine are starting to get dry. And, you know, that just means more export business for us until South America has another crop and that's, you know, eight, nine months out. So I think that uh, things could take on a little different tone once you get deeper into summer here and start seeing these exports pick up like they normally seasonally do kind of in that August, September, October timeframe. And uh, and then it's about crop size. And and I, I really still believe that uh, this market uh, doesn't quite grasp how dry it's been in the West and, and for how long. And, you know, one, one rain doesn't fix that. In fact, no. that from, from, and I'm not an agronomist, so <clears throat> don't hold me to this, but the most water use for a corn plant is from, from tassel to, to black layer. And, and so, you know, 
sure, one rain here is going to be great if they get it. Get two inches, that's a that's a big sigh of relief. But it, it better keep raining. You know, once you get to, to tassel and beyond, the, the the plant requires a lot more moisture and to to fill that uh, kernel out. And um, so we're we're far from the finish line. You know, if this is a baseball game, we're about to fourth inning, uh, maybe fifth inning. And we got, uh, we got a ways to go before this game is, uh, you know, one. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of time left, a lot of time left out there. So all right, let's talk about a couple of things real quick. You kind of brought it up here a little bit when you were talking about Chinese and export, the U S dollar still continues to, to struggle a little bit, um, to the lower side of things. And, there's not a lot out there to be exported right now, no matter where you're at in the world. But but China is still, irregardless of price, irregardless of what's going on out there, um, they are still trying to buy, irregardless of what they say. Um, I read an article today, they were going to plant 6% more corn, and they were talking like a, a 15% increase over last year's uh, crop in China, which, you know, whatever. They, but they're still just buying as much stuff as they can, at least snooping around for as much stuff as they can. What are your thoughts about exports uh, moving forward and how the U.S. dollar plays into that? Well, the dollar it has rallied a little bit off of mm-hmm. um, the lows from a few weeks ago. And it's at kind of a critical point, I, I think. So it's kind of pausing here. It's backed off the last couple of days. Uh, I think it's really at a critical point. If you see much more strength in the next week or two, you know, like above this week's highs in the dollar, that might propel us quite a bit higher. And and that obviously is not good from an export standpoint. Um, China, it's almost like they have uh, inelastic uh, demand, meaning, you know, they, they need it. It doesn't matter to them necessarily what the dollar is. If corn's at $3 or, or $7, they need it, right? They got people to feed. They've got animals to feed. And obviously they are going to uh, try to be self-sufficient and grow as big a crops as possible. The government's kind of subsidizing that and trying to incentivize their farmers to do that. But I think they're still, you know, when you have 3 billion people uh, and several hundred million hogs, uh, that's a lot of uh, demand right there. And and so I don't know when or if they'll ever be fully self-sufficient, but it's, it's not going to be within the next year or two. So they're going to, they're going to be there in, in some respects, um, you know, uh, lying in the weeds, so to speak, to, to buy all kinds of products. And, um, I think that is, you know, irregardless of what the dollar does. Now the dollar, you know, other normal customers, the dollar matters and, and supply matters, right? That's the other thing is, uh, the, the basis levels, cash bean basis levels are creeping higher in Brazil, meaning they're probably about out of supplies. That's seasonally right on time. Uh, when you talk about corn, uh, depending on this crop size in Brazil, they're going to export some, but it's certainly not going to be, you know, a lot of people now are talking that Brazil crop's going to be in the mid eighties. And, you know, two months ago, that was a hundred million tons or more. And so mm-hmm. all that business that they would have exported is going to come to us. 
and so for a little bit here, the, the dollar doesn't matter a lot because the, the stocks are so tight. Now, you depending on the crop size we raise, you fast forward and then you get into winter and this time next year, South America has another crop. Then I think it's much more um, important. But right now, due to the, the, the tightness of bean stocks and the tightness of corn stocks, uh, some of the vegetable oil um, shortfalls that we have in the world, is for a period of time that the dollar may not matter as much as it normally does. But it is at a critical point, I think, on the on the chart. It's either like, all right, it's a correction in a longer term bear market in the dollar, um, or it's this the bottoms in and we're starting into a bigger a bigger rally here. And obviously, you know, we've seen some big fluctuations in interest rates uh, in some of the metals markets. <clears throat> the stock market's getting a little more volatile. So there, some of these are tied together in the financial world, but it just, you know, everything's interrelated anymore. And some days you see beans higher, coin, it has nothing to do with fundamentals. Sometimes it has all to do with outside markets. So it's definitely something to watch over the next six to, to nine months, this dollar. Uh, and there's a very short run, I think, due to the tightness, it almost doesn't matter. People people want corn in the next six months. They're going to get it from the United States or they're not going to get it at all because it's it's that tight in the world. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it is. That's what I'm that's what I'm thinking about too is just it's not so much just what's happening in the US but everywhere in the world overall stocks are just tight period whether it's wheat or corn or beans or whatever it might be. <clears throat> There's no lack of of uh demand for the lack of supply, you know what I mean? So it's just a, it's a purely is a global market right now. And it's just, and we're starting to see that. All right. So let's take a look at the, what's going on over here in the livestock markets. Uh, cattle prices are still struggling. Um, you see some hog prices are getting some pressure right now. Um, especially when you start looking at on the cattle side, the, the actual wholesale box beef prices and what those have done. So, Talk about, especially on the B side of the business, what you see there and kind of what your reaction is to what we see this slide in price. Yeah, that's that's a real hot button right now. Um, box beef has, has come fairly sharply lower over the last three weeks or so. Uh, the cash cattle market has held together. And, and this is the sticking point uh, and the big talking point in the industry right now is even though box beef has come down quite a bit, packer margins are still phenomenal. They were record, you know, I don't know, eight, $900 a head uh, is what they were. And even though box beef has come down some, uh, they're still really good, historically very strong margins for the packers. And so that that's the big push right now is how do we, you know, get more competition amongst, uh, you know, kind of a freer market, so to speak, so that we can kind of get better, more uh, open cash markets. <clears throat> so that's a, that's been a little bit tough. The, the cash cattle market has held together. It's slowly trended higher the last few weeks, but grudgingly, you know, steady and then up a buck and then steady and it, it, it's held together and, and it's all a margin business. But right now the Packers are, uh, are still making good money uh, on the beef side. Uh, box beef has, has come down quite a bit. I think you, you are with some of this heat that's been around, uh, 
I think way better things are coming, I think, to the cattle market, uh, you know, a year out because of the drought. The drought has shifted cattle numbers and, and meaning we've, we've killed a tremendous amount of cows. And that's been something that's pressured things, right? Because that increases supply for a short period of time because you're not retaining those, those cows and heifers. You're getting them into the, um, into the meat. And, and so that increases supply a little bit, but this, this drought is a bad deal. And, um, you know, heifers that would have been retained, they're getting fed out and slaughtered. And so that's been a little bit of a drag here in the short run, but I mean, the numbers are big, historically big. So a year out from this, uh, the numbers are going to shrink way back. And that's what we've been fighting for a while is just record numbers of cattle on feed for a, lo- a while, the last year or so, that's going to start shrinking. Things are going to get, I think, better w- way out ahead of us. But right now, it's been a it's been a tough road, especially with um, you know these higher corn prices. You you know in the in the Southwest, Texas Panhandle, Oklahoma, you know you had uh, eight dollar cash corn there for a period of time towards the highs, and it's 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 been a rough a rough go for these feedlots. But I think brighter things are coming. Um, maybe sooner rather than later, but I think the, the, the drought really is going to, we're going to see long term effects from the, the cow slaughter from this drought that we're, you know, we've been fighting and it's not over yet, by the way. And, uh, that, that means probably better things out there for the feedlot. Unfortunately, the cow calf guy is, um, you know, that's. That is the the uh, the dark the dark cloud right now of the maybe the whole agri you know economy is the the cow calf guy because of this drought, but that'll mean better things for the for the feedlot here out you know nine months to a year I think uh, I really do. Yeah, yeah, a lot of moving parts out there, man. Like you talked about the volatility that's in place, the uh, need for a plan is uh, more important than ever, and. I guess, Chip, as you sit there and you look around, what's going on when you're talking with a customer? What's what's that first step that you kind of have them start going down when they're looking at at the plan that they have in place and and what what kind of movements they start looking at? Yeah, c- costs and gross revenue um, are are first and foremost. It's a little bit easier for um, you know the feedlot side than it is uh, the row crop side. The, the row crop side, generally speaking, um, the, the cost structure a lot of times isn't um, you know fully fleshed out. People know what seed, nitrogen, fertilizer costs, but it, it's hard to get all those other costs, labor, interest, uh, all, all that stuff. It's a little bit easier on the, on the feedlot side, but uh, you know, gross revenue uh, is, is the big thing. Um, where we're at currently, the other hard part is, uh, from a row crop side, I mean, <clears throat> you just look at it, for example, somebody here in central Illinois is looking, you know, if it doesn't get too, too hot in August and we get another rain or two best ever type potential. And then you have people, um, you know, in the Western corn belt in the Dakota saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why corn isn't $8 already. Right. I mean, we've, we might have the worst crop ever. And so that, that's a big part of this too, because you don't know going in what, what's my yield going to be, um, you know, on the, on the feedlot side, you, you're going to have a little death loss and your, and your 
feed conversion rate and feed costs might fluctuate a little bit, but for the most part, you know, you're going to start feeding a 750 pound steer and you're going to, uh, you know, sell a 1450 pound steer. And, and you kind of know that it's, it's different, you know, if you're going to raise 120 bushel corn or 280 bushel corn, uh, makes a big difference. And that's, that's part of the, the uncertainty and the stress that's, you know, there on the row crop side, but it starts with gross revenue and, and then it looks at, okay, where are we at in this thing? How can we start locking some of that in at profitable levels and what strategies are available to lock that in and potentially keep the top side open? Um, and, and there's, there's a lot to it and it's stressful. And the thing about it is there's, you know, these, these bigger, um, these bigger operations, just there's so many balls in the air that they're juggling. They don't have time to worry about the markets and, and the business side, right? That's kind of the important, but not urgent. And there's urgent things, right? Like planting the crop, spraying, harvest. You can't wait on that stuff. You can always wait on the markets and the, and the business side. And, and unfortunately that sometimes costs a lot of money waiting on that and not focusing on that. Yep. Yeah. So good stuff there, Chip. If folks want to reach out to you and get help with that first step, kind of figuring out how to get down that path, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you and the folks at Blue Reef? Yeah, best way is just call our office, 309-550-7213. Uh, we'd love to talk to you, not high pressure at all. Just uh, give us a call if you got any questions or just uh, want to double check on uh, what, you know, whether your plan makes sense and how you might improve it. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Chip. You bet, Casey. Have a great weekend. It's going to be interesting next week as well. This weather uh, isn't uh, isn't done. This weather market is uh, is not done. So we're going to be yeah. seeing a lot more volatility ahead. I think we're in it through harvest for sure. It's not in the planning too. Feels like. <laughs> uh, so I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironllc.com. That's where you're going to find the entire library of the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, in September 15th through the 17th. All the information you need for that will be at movingironllc.com, up in the navigation bar. Click on the Moving Iron Summit, and you'll be able to see agendas, um, how you register for the event, hotel information, um, speaker bios, all this fun stuff. So. If you need more information about that, send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com and I'll be happy to get back to you with whatever information you're looking for. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. In the 21st century, hard work.